Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, still, Captain Chase McKinney, and joining me for uh, a little sojourn into another galaxy, my dear friends, Lieutenant Commander Eric and Lieutenant Commander David. What's happening, fellas? Not much. You haven't replaced us yet? I mean, I have interviews going on next week, but I wasn't going to tell you all that. I just Damn. Thought. Yeah, I, j- I just thought we'd get randomly replaced by other speaking characters. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you want to go off to like HQ and like work on something, I mean, go for it. Or or Eric. <laughs> Eric's due for a promotion sometime soon, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't want a promotion because with the promotion comes more responsibility. I mean, right? I mean, I could David knows all, all about that. Yeah, with it, with that kind of attitude, you'll never be able to usurp Chase's captaincy chair. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm just waiting for some kind of attack where he's incapacitated, and like and I get to step into out. that center seat. The, the internet the, goes out. This isn't. <laughs> this isn't a. This isn't like a, a, a family lineage pass on. I mean, de- death is only the beginning. You know, you, you got to earn it. Yeah, I don't know if I want Eric taking my name. That That's just, that's kind of weird. That's like next level right there. Well, you know, I mean, I, I don't have any good retort for that. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I've known you a long time, but. <laughs> if you were, if you were, I was going to try to say pirate, something clever. You take his name. Yeah, I was going to try to say something clever, but I couldn't think of anything. It didn't work out? That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> no. Oh, good grief. Well, how have y'all's um, last few days or so been? How's this week been for y'all? Long. Very yeah. long week. Very long week? Yeah, I, we've been uh, we've been ramping up hiring, so it is my least favorite thing that I have to do. I hate interviews. I, I, I absolutely loathe interviews. Because you'll get a couple of really good people who like really know what they're talking about, and then you have a lot of people who really just don't know. And it, it, mm. it's it's I, I'm not a helper either. I'll stare at you just like stone face, <laughs> waiting for you to cry. No, no, not quite that extreme. But, <laughs> but man, it, it was it. I don't I don't even know how many we've been through because we're not only looking for like for investigators because we we work in an investigations department. But also like a, another one of my counterparts for for all the people we're we're getting in. So it's been it's been difficult. I've been like rapidly pinging people that I've known over the years. Like, hey, um, so have you thought about like getting a new job with <laughs> me? Because <laughs> I need people who are better. <laughs> so yeah, it's been one of those weeks man but hey crew game uh saturday because tomorrow is friday i almost forgot and it's gonna be cold cold day for soccer Mm. yeah buddy is it cold up there in the great north uh well it's on and off i you know i mean this past weekend i did like a short hike it was like 70 something degrees it was beautiful and then and then it tried to snow a bit and then it it's supposed to rain tomorrow, and heck, we might even get snowed on on Saturday. Who knows? It's it's, it's just a wacky place up here. Yeah, you get all the seasons in one week. That's I know. Right. I, re- I remember that from living in the Great North. <laughs> yes, me too. 
Me too. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was a nice day down here today. Yeah. I went out. Yeah. And I went and watched my uh, my um, my student soccer game today. Right, they had a game. I've seen a few of them, but I went to one of them today. They won on penalty kicks. It was really exciting. Nice. Love it. Yeah. Anyone you know, they, they enjoy, the students enjoy seeing their teachers out there watching them play. Right on. Anyone get yellow carded? No, no, but there were a lot of handballs that this ref did not call. <laughs> and I'm yelling, handball! Like, handball! Like, blow your whistle! <laughs> are, are you calling these against your own students? I'm calling them against everybody. I don't care. I just want the game to be called correctly. Like at one point, at one point, the team, the, the other team, they their defenders kicked the ball back to their goalie, and their goalie picked the ball up. Which you can't do that. That's that's a handball. I I, I don't think any of the players, the stu- the kids actually knew that, understood that rule. But you cannot, as the defense, you cannot kick the ball back to your goalie and have your goalie then pick it up. You can head the ball back to your goalie, and the goalie can pick it up. But if th- that's a handball. And I was like, yeah, handball! And the ref, like, blew his whistle and stopped the play. And, like, exp- I think he was explaining that to them, but didn't call it like a handball. <laughs> I'm over there on the <laughs> sideline just yelling. <laughs> so, kids, listen, there is a bit of a psychopath out there, and I'm, <laughs> I just have to explain. <laughs> Fist fight in the parent section. <laughs> I, I mean, some of the some of the, the parents that don't know me are asking, like, which one's your kid? Like, I, I don't have a kid out there. I'm just I'm just passionate. <laughs> no, no, that's what I you teach say. All your children, all of them, they're all, they're all my kids, except the ones that aren't my kids. <laughs> oh Lord, that would be an awkward conversation, but. I would love to see it. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh, well, I feel like I'm like obligated to talk about something soccer. Like, you know, David's going to a soccer game. You did go to a soccer game. I played soccer when I was a kid. There we go. Like, full. Well, yeah, why not? There we go. The, the circle is complete. Anyway, you know what we should do? We should talk trek. Let's 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 talk Trek. Everyone, uh, welcome. This is your red alert. Red alarm. Red alarm. This is your first time listening. We're going into uh, spoiler territory. So if you've not watched episode twelve, goodness, episode twelve, season four of Discovery, species ten C, go hit pause and go give it a watch. You do not want to miss this one, as far as I'm concerned. Otherwise, if you don't really care. Keep on listening. Guys. Guys, guys, guys. I think this is gonna, this is hopefully going to be um, a pretty pretty fun discussion, I hope. So after um, after we do like the big old whatchamacallit, like the last time, which was every everything on, on Star Trek Discovery, like it always seems to do. We're we're right in the action. We have like a sweet little hero shot of the ship just swooping on by, which I love a good hero shot of the ship. And uh, trying to figure out like what the heck's going on, and not trying to um, like how far out we are, and not trying to um, you know come off as too aggressive by throwing shields up 
and stuff like that. Uh, trying to figure out what to do next with Christopher, Awusakun, and um, all of them just chit-chatting. And uh, trying to figure out what to do and saying that we need to give the 10C more time uh, to respond to our hails. It's been, what, 15, 16 some odd hours. They still haven't done it. And uh, Burnham's ready to move on, um, despite President Rillick saying, no, we need, to, we need to wait, we need to wait, we need to wait. And um, I was, I, you know what? I know I'm kind of just like blowing right through this first part, but you know, I'm actually kind of proud of this show because it wasn't 12 minutes. It wasn't 14 minutes. It wasn't even 20 minutes. It was eight minutes when we hit the titles. Come on now. Eight yeah, minutes. Yeah. Yeah, but we're on the bridge, and they're not responding. We're hailing on all frequencies, no response. And Burnham turns to President Rillick, and she says, I think it's time we go to our contingency plan. And Rillick is like, no, no, we just have to wait. It's like, Burnham's like, if they could have responded, they, they would have by now. And the, the music is, like, building, and it speeds up, and it gets faster, and it reaches a crescendo. And that's the moment when you should have cut to credits, as far as I'm concerned, right? And it felt like that's what it was doing, but it's like, nope, Discovery has to, like, never get to the credits that soon. So you're, like, commending them for being quick on it, but it could have been much quicker, right? Have. Didn't you think how the music was building I, there? I did. I did. <laughs> Look, three, three or four minutes is just not enough, you know? You, you just, you know, you build it and you break it down, and you got to build it again. I mean, this is... This is complicated jazz here, man. Mm. Yeah, but it's a teaser. It's the teaser. Like, that three it's minutes when the music builds, boom, credits. <laughs> <laughs> I think David's onto something. No, I, I agree. Because, I mean, pretty much immediately we start, you know, talking about it was all the molecules again. And it's like, yeah, that, that probably would have been an appropriate spot to, to cut it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even even like looking at like transcripts of the show, like you have like the cut of like where that happens, and then you have like these two little eighth notes of like just like the, the transitional music, right? Like that would have been perfect just right there, like what we're saying. Like there's even like um a music like a musical expression right there that like would why just like, build your music to that crescendo point? I love the fact that you're using crescendo, man. Like, just makes I, I know what that means. I'm not a complete music idiot over here. <laughs> so yeah. I still so, don't understand what a counterpoint is, but I know what a crescendo is. Someone in listener land, just if you can tweet Eric the meaning. You've tried to explain it. I just don't get it. It's fine. We'll, we'll have our listeners tweet you. It'll be fine. Yeah, we'll watch that episode a million times, and I'll still not understand. Just go pick up, like, a music theory book, and you'll be fine. Okay. Or YouTube it, whatever. I should ask the, one of the music teachers at our school. There do it. Go. There's That's two of your them. Homework. <laughs> Which one do you like more? Don't answer that. They might listen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, so we're... We're... we're we have Harai and we have um, we have Culber who are like look looking over like the different samples and and stuff, um, trying to figure out what it is and what and how we can kind of move forward 
with it, essentially. Yeah, and, and their plan is to take the 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 peaceful hydrocarbon and like spray it on the the um the hyperfield surface. It's like we come in peace in chemical form. One mm-hmm. might call that crop dusting. <laughs> hmm. Not the not the first thing I would have thought of doing to a species you've never met, but I mean, it's novel. <laughs> and it's like Stamets, Stamets, load up the dot, load up the Astromex, put that hydrocarbon piece in chemical form into the Astromex, and we'll launch them off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna call them Astromex because that's what they are. Nice yes, part, right? yes, they are. Yes, they are. <laughs> um, and and all the while, while they're they're getting things set up, uh, Zora is kind of having her moment. Like there's a disturbance in my sensors. I've been feeling off for a while. Like, can we hold the Zora discussion? Not like piece by piece. Can we hold that to like the end? All the Zora stuff. Oh yeah, or at least all the Zora stuff to one to one moment in time, and not like as it happens in the episode. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Cause like I've got some things to say. Okay, okay, <laughs> Eric's got things to say. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, and then of course we have like some weird shenanigans that happen after the fact, and yeah, and yeah the. The hyperfield reaches out its arm, reaches out its arm, and gobbles them up. You know what that reminded me of? Yeah, it looks like the Stargate, (laughs) like the flush. You know what this reminded me of? Um, I'm going like old school video game on this one. This reminded me of, um, I think it was Water Temple in Ocarina of Time. I think there was like um, like like an amoeba or something like that. And like it, like would reach out. I think it was Ocarina of Time, or what? Am I thinking of Twilight Princess? Anyway, there's like this amoeba that like reaches out and like it'll like grab you and smack you and like suck you in and try and drown you. And you have to like use like your your hook shot to like reach in, grab the thing, and pull it out and like smack it with your sword. You know what I'm talking about, David? It's been a really long time since I played any any of the Zelda games, so I don't remember that. But I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Okay, you. sweet. Like, that's what it was reminding me of. Like, as I'm seeing, like, the hyperfield, like, reach out and just, like, say, see you later to all the dots, all the astromechs. Like, okay, boss fight. We need the hook shot. We need the master sword. It'll be fine. No more fetch quests. Hopefully, after this episode, you're right. No more fetch quests, please. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. Keep going. And anyway, so after this, we end up on um, uh, what should we call? We end up on Bookship, and of course, Reno's there. She's still there from the end of last week's episode, along with Book and Tarka, and uh, they're they're running some things, trying to figure out like still trying to figure out like how we can. Um, destroy the thing and get the heck out of Dodge in time. And of course, Reno being Reno, she's 
like looking over and like paying attention to like stuff that's happening and um like basically like she knows that like there's like some shenanigans that are taking place along the way that with like with at least with Tarka and um anyway well, yeah, well, while he's like doing his equations she notices the equations and his body language as well yeah the math is off the the schematic and everything is off like it's not making sense to her lot, but we don't we don't math, realize that till a little bit later in this episode lots of lots of math you know and and before we actually dive really into a lot of this I, i'll say this it felt like this episode was what everybody focused on like every writer was like okay so we have to we have to be like crazy smart for this one this one event this one episode we have to like pool all our brain matter and they literally just they, they did all this everything super smart like man guys i'm tired we're yeah we're all tired man what are we gonna do for the rest of the season well let's just let's just not talk about it let's just let's just write the write the thing yeah because seriously this episode was so technical so technical on a level that really just isn't a part of this series or at least not this season yeah, they focused all of their effort into trying to write one good episode and like to at the expense of like the past three episodes. The last three, right? Is that, is that what we said? Yeah, at the expense of the past okay. three episodes. <laughs> they focused all their attention on this one. I'm not complaining. <laughs> Even though the math eludes me. I know greater than and less than, that's about it. And I know, ooh, I do know this. Four plus five does, in fact, equal nine. <laughs> Good. Most of the time. Good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, let's see. Okay, so they're sucked inside the giant hyperfield, right? Right. And they're inside some orb, and systems are all down, right? Engines, weapons, communications... Basically, life support and basic functions are the only thing that's working. And this orb is carrying them towards one of these gas giants, which you assume is the same composition as the planet was last week before it went boom. Mm-hmm. Right? And we're just being guided towards this gas giant. We, upper, we enter the upper atmosphere and, hey, something's going on down uh, Or, no, nothing happens yet, right? We're just we're just right. pulled there. We're just yeah. being pulled in to this with this hyperfield thing, and at this point now we're we're trying to figure out. Um, okay, well, there's I think what was the clock like? Fifteen hours left yeah, now. It was fifteen hours. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we have fifteen hours left, and now that we're inside this thing, now that we're in our our little bug jar or whatever, we got to figure out how to actually make these vapors communicate with this thing. Well, even before that, nothing is happening, and they're standing around the table talking, and who comes up with the idea? Michael Burnham, of course, because obviously she has to come up with the idea, and her idea is, let's give a gift, right? It's Federation policy to start first contacts with a gift. I don't know if that's actually true, 
But okay. I don't I don't know if I remember that being a thing. No. Like okay. Okay. So I don't know I if mean, anyone in Star Trek Beyond Chris Chris Pine's character shows up at the opening scene to give a gift, right? Before he's attacked by the little hedgehog tiny things, right? Tribbles, right? No. We talking wait, wait. Oh, Beyond. Star, Star Trek Beyond, right? Beyond. I'm it's sorry, the little yeah. piece of the the device that Idris Elba wants to make himself young again, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. He shows up with a gift. That's the only one I can remember of first this, contact starting with a gift. So whenever the the conversation with um um like let's give a gift, it, it'll it'll really help. You know, it, like to me like okay yeah it might it might be like a star trek thing somewhere out there okay but this like felt like it was straight up lifted from raya and the last dragon for anyone that's ever seen that disney movie so there's like the the last dragon is trying to help raya get these pieces back so they have to go to the different lands and try and make peace with like the different chiefs and um it usually doesn't go very well but like they're they're always like the dragon is always about like let's give a gift let's give a gift it'll it'll break tensions <laughs> and the doctor harai is like gift giving is a very culturally complex it is, idea that's so true <laughs> it is very true it's like like i just went through the whole gift giving scenario like a week ago like that's not going to get you goodwill with me i mean especially if I, if someone sends you like a shirt in the mail i mean it's Socks. I mean, did, did you? <laughs> I did. I mean, in the past. In I, the past, but not like for my birthday. No. Oh, okay. I know better by now. Come on now. <laughs> I mean, we've only known each other for twenty years. Oh, oh. There seems like some bitterness there, <laughs> like maybe a little <laughs> resentment. <laughs> I, About I, gifts? I think it was almost excited. There might have been a shirt. This hypothetical shirt is. is no, I, I've gotten hypothetical shirts. Real, real <laughs> it's shirts. Not hypothetical. <laughs> Yeah, real shirts. <laughs> it's not a hypothetical shirt. So the okay, I want to say this one thing, like with the the culture thing, like with with what uh, Dr. Harai was saying, that is something that is so true. Like especially how much like counseling and mental health has been like front and center this this season. One thing, um, at least in the state of Texas, I can't speak for um, the other states and other territories that. To um, do counseling and have board and ethical rules to guide them, but in Texas, you cannot accept a gift from a client uh, with a value greater than fifty dollars. Um, so you really have to like. Sometimes there might be like the extravagant gifts that like other cultures might give you because like that's how they show their appreciation. So you have to like really weigh it out in terms of how is this going to impact the work that we're doing in the in the in with like in the context of like our therapeutic relationship and if you can justify it like not taking advantage of like generosity but if you can justify that it would harm that therapeutic alliance for the most part it would probably be okay to to accept but like that's something that you would need to process so I really like I really like the fact that um, Dr. Harai 
said that. I mean, it was like, it was a passing comment and I don't mean to like get like bogged down with it, but I really liked it. Um, especially in the context of everything else that's been talked about, especially with Culber and how Culber has been used um, this season. Well, the, so. the only thing that I would just at a slight continuation of that though, they weren't proposing a gift that would have had some significance to them. They clearly knew what this species has been seeking out and were trying to give a gift to Boronite in order to get attention. So, yeah, you're 100% correct, and the comment is, is very valid. I think in this case, though, the, the actual proposed gift is, was better thought out, you know, than... What was the thing in uh, in Prodigy, the the spit pan or whatever that was that the Ferengi mm-hmm. wanted to yeah like wa- yeah wanted to give the crystal people, mm-hmm. you know so <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't really a stab in the dark to know that this is what these what these uh, you know ten C seemingly want at this mm-hmm. point so mm-hmm. yeah it's a valid point and then they they beam it onto the surface of the little orb or whatever they're in and hey look something's happening down at the shuttle bay let's go down and take a look yeah and uh, forgive me if I'm going out of order but um, like even is this the part where Christopher comes down no they not yet no no, here we have the dramatic walk. It's not a slow mo right. walk. The freak it, the, the like the it was hero last walk. week. He- but it wasn't slow mo. It's just the hero walk. Yeah, we're all we're all lined up. All right, three, two, one, go. Left foot march. <laughs> yeah, we're we're all we're all approaching the 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 window. We're all approaching like the freaking shuttle bay, docking bay, storage shed thing. And just waiting for something to happen, wondering what's going to happen. And uh, we have, what was it, Tarina? Uh, we have Rillick. Um, I think it's Ndoye. Ndoye. And then we have Saru and Burnham. Am I missing and someone? And Dr. Harai. And Dr. Harai, yep. yeah. They're all lined up doing their super sweet, cool-looking um, hero walk. Yeah, and this is a scene straight out of the movie Arrival. Right. I don't know if you saw that from 2016 with Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner, and, and direct it's it directed by Denny Villeneuve, right? Straight this is straight out of Arrival. Like, go watch Arrival because this episode in this species 10C is like almost a ripoff. Like I've been reading a lot of stuff online today. People are lambasting this episode for basically just ripping off the movie Arrival. Hmm. Yeah. I'm sure if I saw Arrival, it would probably. Well, make you more need sense. to see it because it's fantastic. It's Denny Villeneuve's best movie, as far as I'm concerned. Better than Dune, better than Blade Runner 2049, better than Sicario. His best movie. Is it bad that I haven't seen any of those movies? <laughs> Chase, you're a science fiction fan. Watch some of these things. <laughs> I'll get right on it. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. No, but so the 10C, this big 
space squid whale thing whatever i don't know what we're gonna call it right we don't we don't we don't really ever see it it's still like murky and hiding in the gas cloud and it comes up and it spews some stuff all over the ship right spew didn't appreciate the crop dusting, so it did it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I counted. I counted. There were six, six hydrocarbons, and they gave the percentages, and it did add up to a hundred. I counted. <laughs> I actually wondered that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it did. It did. It added up to a hundred. It was like it was twenty. I forget what they. It was twenty-five percent, twenty-two percent, seventeen percent. 14%, 12 10%. It add it added up. Like I, I counted. Each molecule is 25% joy, 22% sadness, 17% peacefulness, 14% irritation, 12% surprise and 10% fear. Right. That that's definitely adds sick. up to 100. Okay. Math. Yeah. I'm, that's that's your job, math. <laughs> yeah, but it spewed it all over there and they're like that doesn't mean anything. Those like that's just random why you would put those things together. Maybe it's trying to convey all of them at once. Yeah, but that's still random to put those things together. Well, is it though? I mean, really? Is it though? Like are we that basic that you you can't feel that many mo- and even the emotions that were displayed uh surprise, fear, irritation like yeah, you, you just sprayed stuff over my bubble, and I don't know who you are, so yeah, I'm going to be a little irritated, uh, maybe a little fearful because I fear of the unknown. I don't know who you are. Uh, you know, surprise. Yeah, I'm surprised you're here, but maybe I'm a little joyful because we've been alone or something. Like That was the one thing that I didn't understand from the scene. It's like, hold on a second. You're saying in this emotional ship, you cannot feel more than one emotion at one time and identify those emotions. That uh, I don't know about that. So this is the part where I want to mention another movie real quick, since apparently I'm... We, we are not talking Trek at all this time, are we? We're just talking other movies and shows. I don't know. No, but like, look, if... If the movie Inside Out can talk about complex emotions, right? Like, something can be both joyous and sad at the same time. Then, yes, so can so can these light patterns and this crop dusting that we're talking about. I thought about that movie, too, actually. Yeah. I use it all the freaking time in practice. Joy is in charge, right? Yes. From what I remember. Well, in, that in movie. the kid's brain, it's different in all their others, I guess. Okay. Different drivers. Mm-hmm. I think the, the father game. was like rage or the anger one. The anger one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was Lewis Black, right? It rage was. Or anger, yeah. 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 yeah it okay. was. Mindy Kaling was uh, disgust, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Anyway, so then it spews its emotion du- crop dusting on us, right? <laughs> <Spews> its emotion. <laughs> Spew. And then it, it does some fancy light show. Lights, 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 lights. Hope no one's epileptic because I'm just doing the light show. And then it does the light show again. They're like, it was identical both times. Maybe we should repeat the light show back to it to show that we understand it. 
Okay, all right, let's repeat the light show back to it. And then once we do that, it disappears. Like, wait, I thought this is what you wanted us to do. And then, no. like, maybe it doesn't think we're sentient. We're just monkeys with rocks. Yeah, so he, I, I forget, what's the name? He, I, I looked this up because I'd never heard of it. It was the Kardashev scale. Okay. Is what he, is what Dr. Harai mentions. It says, the Kardashev scale is a method of measuring a civilization's level of technological advancement based on the amount of energy it is able to use. It was proposed by a Soviet astronomer in the 1960s. Three categories. Category one, a type one civilization. A planetary civilization that can use, use and store all of the energy available on its planet. A type two civilization, which is what um, he says the 10 CR. It's a stellar civilization that can use and control energy at the scale of its planetary system. So that's a real thing, the Kardashev scale. Ain't that some. Yep, and it says, at the current time, humanity has not yet reached a type 1 civilization status. Right? Physicist Michio Kakao, right, that famous guy, right? I think that's how you pronounce his name. You know who I'm talking about. Michio. Right, that guy. He says, yeah, that guy. Right, if, huma- if humans continue at their current rate, they may obtain type 1 status in, 200, in 100 to 200 years. So in the time of Star Trek, humanity is probably a type 1 civilization, with the 10 C are a type 2. Man. Man, that's a real thing. I love it when Star Trek doesn't just make stuff up. Like this episode, like I was raving that hey, our techno babble in Lo- in Prodigy, damp sine wave was not just something they made up. But I loved it when you know Janeway gave the example of Apollo thirteen, not you know something that was just fictitious in in the right, Star Trek universe. Up. Right, so I love when we use real things, and this is a real thing, and it made my nerd heart happy. And this probably isn't the last time it'll make your nerd heart happy in this episode, right, Eric? No, no, it's not. <laughs> okay. So and so, this is the moment now where Saru suggests maybe we bring in some other voices. Right. And so we beam down some bridge crew. So we have we have Detmer, Nilsson, and Christopher, um, who just do a quick little personal transport down to the shuttle bay, and um, have a little talky talk about what's up and how to approach this thing. Which there was no table, Eric. No. But we can we can use our imaginary mind powers and pretend there was. Yes. As far as I'm concerned. I mean, they they are around a yes. 3D model. So that that's at least something. No, I love this that, like, Burnham's not like, no, no, I got this. I'm coming up with the answer. She's like, no, let's let's bring in some more voices. Like, this is great. I, I mean, she did it before. Like, had to be her to figure it out. She'll do it later in this episode. It has to be her that figures it out. But for right now, I don't have to be the one to figure it out. Let's Let's get some more people in here and let's go. Thoughts. Everyone, round the table. Tell me what you're thinking. Like, this is this this makes my nerd heart happy too. 
so so we have we have um, uh, Christopher who starts talking about uh, one of one of his uh, professors at the academy talking about examining your assumptions which is great by the way um, and assuming that the hydrocarbons are only about emotions but what if it's like part of a, a larger language for the most part but also questioning like how can these hydrocarbons contain emotion and um, what sem se um, semantic content at the same time to which Nielsen which this was my favorite part from Nielsen that a piano piece evokes both emotion but it also has structure now I don't think I've, I've shared this with you guys or even like the listeners and it, it's, it has nothing to do with Star Trek but this is like part of like what my dissertation is all about by the way is using music to evoke emotion but to also communicate other things as well so in my case like how to develop um, deeper empathy with counselors and increase emotional intelligence is part of my dissertation. Like that's like the drive-by fruiting version of it. So when Nilsson was saying this, I'm like, yes, yes, come on, lady, you're reading my mail. Here we go. Like I got really excited whenever she started talking about pianos and like and, and like what music can do, not just emotionally, but like the structure and like what else it communicates beyond the emotion and how it works and how it functions. I was like, oh, this is good stuff. Come on, we're Star Trekking now. But it sounds like Eric was also excited about this part too. Yeah, and then and then hey, like hey, hey, maybe that's good. Let's um, like I think then Detmer says, well, we use a star chart, which is a two D representation, to to show a th but like to show a three D space. But like, I feel like we've had three D star maps in this show right for a long time. So okay, yeah, we use maps to represent. A, a 2D map represent 3D space. Can we make a 3D model of the the lights and the hydrocarbons, and can we match them up? And it's Detmer who thinks of this. So it's like the three people we bring down each actually contribute something to to figuring out right how to solve this problem, this mystery of communicating. And it's not just. Michael Burnham figures it out on the first try, which I had a big problem with that last week, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the week before. And the week before Well, that. specifically last week, because it was the first <laughs> try where she got it right every time. Yeah. Which is not science. Eric needs a, maybe another little picture for his background that just says, Bornite. <laughs> just to remind him. For what was it like one, one sixty eight or something like that? One seventy eight. One seventy eight. Yeah. One seventy eight. We don't have that no. many atomic numbers no. on our periodic table right now. Yet. But yeah. no, it it was good to see you know people actually contributing in a way that was a bit more logical, a bit more thought out than just like oh this one time I went parasailing. Do that. You know, they, they were actually relating it to more poignant things, you know, i.e. The, the piano score, um, which is what I was yakking about beforehand. Complex emotions, it can be more than one, one thing attached to 
in that case a, a piano score. So no, it, it was good to see people kind of get down. Even Christopher, who I mean, we don't really know anything about. He just kind of replaced someone. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was good. But you know, like this is kind of like a joke, but serious at the same time. Like I am glad that I can finally tell the difference between you know the two guys on the bridge now between Christopher and now Reese without getting super confused I'll still miss misname the other one hey Reese was who is Reese, either Bryce or Reese Reese was left in charge of the con this yeah, this he episode was. He was. right he was taking the center seat not Nilsson who has been the person that they've said yeah. you have the con now mm-hmm mm-hmm so if we if we keep uh, if we keep following I guess like the the Burnham et al group right we of course we we have Zora we have to use Zora here for a second um, who is able to extrapolate the stuff create the map and we can overlay it and boom there we go and as stuff goes along we're we start to realize. Um, Dr. Harai is like looking at stuff, trying to make sense of things, and between like the light patterns and like realizing like the yeah, there's some inflection that there's this mathematical language which he said something. Um, Lycos. Um, Lycos. Lycos. Well, he didn't say Lycos. it. He didn't say it just yet, but yeah. But like it's it's essentially like using math as a language is like a like an in between like a like a like a workaround type of thing to be able to communicate. And like, okay, now we have finally something to work with. And this is the part, if I'm getting too far ahead, just stop me. Uh, where it's like, let's try something. Let's try saying something to these folks now that we have like a basic understanding. Four plus five equals nine type of thing. Yeah, but and before boom. that, they get, they, Zora assigns like letters to, to certain stuff and it pops out something like one, something, two two something three three something four he figures out that they understand the ordering of numbers which might not seem like a big deal but the ordering of numbers is very important like like the well-ordering principle is incredibly important in math to understand that the real numbers have some kind of order to them and so that's like hey now they are trying to like explain this this intermediate language to us. They're not trying to, to explain their language to us, but they're trying to create some intermediate language based on math. And this makes my nerd heart happy too, because I'm a mathematician. I love math. And this is absolutely the way in which we will communicate with some alien race, like not through anything, not through emotion, not through music. We will communicate through math. Like, so many different hard science fiction stories use math and use this idea to communicate because how do you communicate with somebody that with something that is so alien right and star trek aliens are basically humans with forehead protrusions but now this is something so different that they don't think the same and so you need to use math and so i mentioned arrival like we bring in Amy Adams, who's a linguist, and Jeremy Renner, who's a theoretical physicist. And, and Jeremy Renner's like, your book is wrong. 
language is not how we'll communicate. He's like, math is how we'll communicate. And so when Jeremy Renner shows up, he's like, have they have they shown us any shapes, patterns, numbers, Fibonacci? He's like, lists all like the base like shapes, patterns, numbers, fib- all the ba- the really basic things that you would think would be universal, even if you didn't use our mathematics system. You know, a, a triangle is still a triangle, right? Everyone basically knows what a triangle is. A circle is still a circle. There's a great thing in a Stargate episode where Daniel Jackson is trying to solve some asgard puzzle and like the answer is pi right the answer to the puzzle is pi and he's like well pi is a human word that's what we use on earth like the asgard might not use pi so how do i how do i show that to them so he draws a circle with a little radius boom that's something that everyone should be able every alien species even if they don't use the term circle they know what a circle is and they know they understand the concept of pi and using it as half the distance across the circle. And then in the movie Contact, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Contact with Jodie Foster Mm -hmm. from 1997. Fantastic movie based on a book by Carl Sagan. Everyone should go read the book, watch the movie. Fantastic. But like when the aliens in that first communicate, they send a series of pulses. And their pulses are the prime numbers. There's two pulses then a pause three pulses then a pause right five then seven then 11 then 13 and it's like yes even if these aliens don't you know have the term prime numbers even if they don't you know use our math the idea of a number that's only divisible by itself is something that's universal and these are the things that connect us and so we're building this language sure and this is this is this is fantastic it makes my nerd heart very very happy because i love math and this is absolutely the way that communication with aliens that are they're very alien would work eric's gonna be really disappointed when we meet rock and roll aliens and he can't rock and roll with them so it'll just be me and chase we can we can stuff hey math i mean <laughs> music is based on math right time signatures and no nope. quarter, quarter nope. notes quarter notes and half nope. notes that's and a lie <laughs> it's total lie straight up <laughs> you know one thing i was thinking about when eric was was nerding out there which i appreciate by the way and i could be like completely off base but you do you know how many different movies, TV shows, other pieces of pop culture we've referenced so far throughout this episode in connection to what we're seeing in the episode? Like a lot. The answer is a lot. You know, Star Trek, when it came out, was its own unique thing. It was the reference. But now... It's this isn't like Eric initially, you know, straight up said, this is ripped off of this, or it felt ripped off of this arrival, right? Mm-hmm. I hadn't watched it either. I know what God. it is, but I haven't watched it. It's but out for six years. What? Well, six years isn't long enough. Um, but no, I, I, I just, I kind of <laughs> think that that's, that's, you know, how many times have we talked about, you know, like technology moving at the speed of Star Trek, you know, and all this stuff. So, 
my my only somewhat incredibly minor critique is I would really love to watch an episode that passed a new idea that we haven't seen in another movie or dreamed in another sci-fi series. Now I'm not saying it's bad, I'm just that was a thought that came to me as we had referenced everything that we've referenced so far, so I'm going to bite on this one and just and ask this, but we're we're 900 plus years in the future. Okay, and like that really shouldn't matter with what I'm about to ask, but at what point in in our our strivings to create something new do we know, do we are we able to identify where the line between sci-fi and sci-fantasy is? Yeah, sure. I mean, I I, I can understand that, but nobody would have thought a tablet that you could carry around was science fact. That's true. I mean, yeah, 20 some odd years before it came out. Like, what was it? Like 2010 when the iPad came out? That sounds about right. About yeah. 2010. Which, by the way, Chase, is, is not 20 years. The, 19... original, the original series. Yes, they might have had pens Okay, I'm sorry. Them, I'm but... sorry. 50 years. 50 years. <laughs> 55, right? 1980 55. was not 20 years ago. 1960 is not yes, 20 years ago. Yes, it was. Don't you say that it, 1980 was not 20 years ago. Don't you say that Marty McFly, if he went back 30 years from today, would be going back to 1992. <laughs> but okay. no, it, it was, it was, it, it's a completely benign thought, but... And I think it probably just, you know, how much imagination can you tap long term? But it will. It started off as the standard, and there's just been so much branching off. But anyway, just just a thought. Just just a thought. It's fine. It's fine. Yep. And then so, this is where we send back the message: five plus four equals nine. No, four plus five equals nine. Hey, there's something called the commutative property of addition, which says you can take two numbers and you can add them together in any order you want, and you will get the same answer. That is the commutative property of addition. Hmm. Hmm. So negative one plus five equals four, and five plus negative one equals four? Yes, that's exactly correct. Man, I just mathed live. Yep. So we send four plus five equals nine, and they send back a whole bunch of different equations where the answer is always nine. Mm -hmm. So we're communicating. We understand each other. That's right. Mm -hmm. And then the 10C send a TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, That's right? right. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Because it's bigger on the inside. For someone that's never seen <laughs> Doctor Who, I love that you, you just said that. I mean, I know what the TARDIS is. Oh, man. Is that not what you were thinking? I mean, it was. It was. It's, 
I mean, in the original TARDIS, like before the chameleon circuit and everything, it kind of does look like that, kind of. It, that was more, like that one was more oblong than just like the canister that it kind of is. Um, anyway, yes, there's a TARDIS that goes and collects them. And, and it's basically like, okay, who's going to go into this, this egg TARDIS thing? Um, after a few other things happen. And uh, it's determined that Ndoye, for reasons, is going to stay behind, which we'll get to a little bit later on, very briefly. Um, but Tarina, um, Burnham, and Saru, of course, are going to go in, which I thought was a terrible idea, by the way. Absolute terrible idea that your number one and number two for the ship are going to go and potentially not come back. Well, they both went to the planet last week. I know, but like, there. I think this is like just different. Mm. Like this is like a totally different scenario. Like, okay, yeah, you're going to a planet. Okay, I can. I'll give you that. All right, that's that's kind of like par for the course in Star Trek. But like, ah, oh, I it just rubbed me the wrong way. Like, it's not it's not like a make or break issue for me with this episode. By the way, well, but, Chase, everybody on that bridge is a commander. It's fine. Yeah, they're all uh. lieutenant commanders. That's why they pass. Just think of that's having why they, a ship full of datas. That's why they pass turns taking the con, right? Because they all have the same rank. Yeah. Has Detmer ever gotten the con? No. Well, she's the only person that can fly the ship, so. The only one. <sighs> right. There can only yes, be one. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I could not possibly push this sequence of buttons. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> Uh, eventually, we we go inside. We 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 decide like, hey, Harai, you need to stay back in case stuff hits the fan, um, and reach out and continue everything basically. And so we go in, and it's like this cloudy-looking version of the bridge, and we see the isol um, isolytic weapon that ends up popping up. And we start to do some communication stuff. And, like, we start to actually have, like, some semblance of a breakthrough. Like, truly a breakthrough with trying to communicate things. Um, and I wasn't even going to try and, like, look at that entire equation. I don't know if you actually, like, screen capped, like, that mess of, a, of an equation and, like, actually mathed it out, Eric. I mean, I didn't screen cap it, but I paused. And I got up and walked up to my TV and looked at it. <laughs> <laughs> Did so, some classical and, music start playing as it was going on? Just hmm. no. So I the message the message was the message was 178, some math equation, and then the sadness emoji basically. And it was like 178. That's the atomic number for isolenium, which. Sure, right? We're up to 118 in our world, right? Only 94 of them are actually exist in nature, but we can go up to 118. Sure, we can go up to 178 in the in a thousand years from now. Why not? I have no problem with that. And the math equation, yeah, it was it was it was pi over three brackets parenthesis like brackets radius times height brackets then something else with pi times the radius minus h close parentheses close brackets minus pi times something else times 3h 
Right, yeah. I okay. looked at it. Definitely. I need to stop you there. Are you looking at this, or did you just remember that? I just memory? remembered it, right? So you're a robot. I mean, I was, like, drawing it in my in the air over here. Jeez. I know. He's, he's a synthetic. <laughs> I know. We know what we're supposed to do with those on Picard, right? And, and if I'm not mistaken, there were two different radii. There was, like, a radius. There was a radius with a superscript and a radius with a subscript. And then there was uh, just a height, but then also a height with a subscript. So I think there were two different radii and two different heights. And that way you can convey some complex, convex thing. But by the way, just one thing non-math related, more cinematography related. Did you all notice that the lens on the cameras they were walking around kind of like fish-eyed a little bit? I did, did notice you, that. I, did, I didn't yeah. really enjoy that all that much. I mean, I'm not quite sure what the what the usefulness of that is. Maybe just to convey that this isn't their bridge to make it look slightly different from a perspective or whatever i didn't really i don't know i didn't really like that yeah it's just, that just so like what can, is it what is this a gopro from 2012 i guess it was just so you you would realize that this is not the real bridge that's what that's what yeah. i thought yeah mm-hmm. that that was yeah that was the the whole point of it so we we're, we're doing a great job and in terms of communicating, Rillick's like, yeah, go team. Go team. Well done. Let's send a message back. And it was like, what's the message we want to send back? It was... I forget. It like, so the message, it was isolinium... Um, plus like... Hy- plus like hy- uh, DMA sadness, right? Or sadness, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Or, or curiosity what was what they sent. And what was our message that we were sending back? We were sending back something plus us equals sadness. I thought it was DMA. Yeah, DMA plus, plus the plus like us. Our, us equals sadness. Sadness. Yeah. Yeah. But then, how do we communicate us? And it was like, um, it was like, well, we're all carbon life forms, so like, let's let's play off of that essentially. Yeah, play off the number and, six, right? The atomic yeah. number. But that didn't work. They said that won't work. So we came up with the the air we breathe, the you know the nitrogen, oxygen, carbon dioxide mix. What the percentages mm-hmm. were, right? That's a good thing, right? Because they they had to create this atmosphere for us to breathe, so they'll understand that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we send and, that message. And just when everything is like starting to go well, they send back uh, a message great sadness yeah yep. and now stuff hits the fan now stuff hits the fan and I think at this point we could probably do some drive-by fruitings with a few of these um, so we've obviously like like mit, like gone through like the A plot in for this and I think Tarka is certainly the B and Zora is probably the C or the D or something like D that. For, D for dumb. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. So. Yeah, tar- Sorry, go ahead. Tarka. Go ahead, Tarka. Yeah, yeah, so Tarka, what were they shooting? Plasma or something at the barrier. Broke book ship through. At this point, books in 
captivity with uh, with Reno, who yeah, I actually kind of started to like in this episode because we never really got anything with her. She was no, always just didn't. like eating something. Mm-hmm. And, and in this episode, you, yeah. It, well, in, in this episode, she you know she was actually doing a little technical stuff. She was actually like serious. Like there was there was a bit of serious in here. It's like, hey, look, you do realize what your buddy's doing here. Here's what's going on. Using her licorice to complete her little communicator thing. Which I really because, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, but here's the other I, thing though, which was which was almost kind of sad uh, with with Tarka is that after he uses his shield thing, his reflexive shield here to basically beat up book this is this is his this is his dune shield yeah exactly (laughs) when he when he puts book in into the little detention center he's like i've had two friends and i counted you as one of my friends you know what i mean it's like it's such a sad thing because he totally knows what he's doing at this point he knows that he will be killing all of the tensi he will be causing repercussions that could potentially dis- destroy Discovery, destroy him, and also will, more than likely, wind up destroying Earth and Navar, regardless of the DMA. The, you know, this little, uh, was it this implosion that would happen? Yeah, but they'll, ha- they'll, have, scr- they'll have months to escape Earth. Don't worry. <laughs> so well, he says. <laughs> yeah, escaping Earth is probably not the biggest thing. But yeah, it's it's just you know it's it's such a, a broken mind at this point because you're taking somebody who's remarkably brilliant, who clearly has a grasp on all technology that at least is within a human grasp or a you know whatever humanoid grasp. Right. He clearly understands friendship, but at the same token, he is just so remarkably broken that he would rather destroy this, d- destroy the Tensi. For what, really? I mean, for for what? Because at this point, taking this power source, how? How are you going to? How are you going to get away with this power source? Like, what is the risk necessarily worth at this point? Such a path of destruction. I mean, yeah. at that point, it's just it's it's almost just pure madness. Well, this is this is such a strange character arc. For, for Tarka here where you know yeah. I watch things with subtitles and on the subtitles there are moments where it didn't even say Tarka it said Tarek it said T-A-R-A-K on the subtitles wow. like wow way to get his name right subtitle person but anyway um, <laughs> this is such a weird because when he was introduced he was super arrogant and we all thought there's something fishy about this character is he gonna be responsible for this Somehow we were like, we were all, what's he doing? And then he's like, I just want to get home to to this friend. And then we spent a whole episode like delving into his backstory. He would go like on a sympathy tour with uh, him. Yeah, like to to make us feel sympathy for him. And then after you do that, you basically, now he's a madman that we we can't feel sympathy for. I just, I don't understand the I don't understand this arc that that he's taking that we're taking him on. Like had you like I'm going to compare him to 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 Soren in Star Trek Generations, right? 
clearly a broken mind, right? The guy is willing to blow up a star, destroy a planet with millions of people on it because he wants to get back to the Nexus, you know, because he wants to wrap himself in a blanket of joy. A broken man. And, yeah, we understand that, you know, he was on the Elorian homeworld when the Borg attacked, right? And he lost his his wife and his child, right? But we don't, we and we just heard about that. But we didn't get, we didn't delve into that story. We didn't see him interacting with his wife and his child. So it wasn't like building that, it didn't build that sympathy for him. And so I think Soren is a great villain, broken man, but like not like, capital V villain like some other villains are and so I feel like they're trying to do something here with this character but I just don't get it um, and, and it's, it's not even like like Soren knew what was going to happen if he got to the Nexus like he knew 100% I'm going to the Nexus I know what the Nexus is but like yeah. Tarka doesn't even know He's willing to risk all of these people. He doesn't know that. Well, I don't I forget the character. Get the guy's name. Starts with an O. He doesn't even know that his partner Oros Oros is there. Like he doesn't know that Oros is alive. He doesn't know that Oros is in this other universe. Like so, he's risking all of this with no certainty at all, which which makes him like a megalomaniac. It well, does. He does. He act, he doesn't even know that where he wants to go is this paradise that it's supposed to be. He's kind of taking the word of somebody else, which I don't even know if we established if that character had ever been there, or if this was just something it was like theoretical. So like, he has nothing to stand on here at all. This is this is okay. I'm- this is like a wee bit of a stretch, but like part of it, I think, has to do with uh, the most current episode of Star Trek Picard that also aired this day. And um, I don't know if either of you have seen it yet. Okay, Eric's seen it. Okay, so I, I, I'll I'll try not to hit the nail too much on the head, so I don't spoil things. But um, there's there's a little bit of like a switcheroo type of thing that could potentially be in play maybe not in play um, when we talk about like these universe type of type of things so I don't know maybe maybe there could be something like where where um, Tarka is trying to pursue something like that um, with like the needing of like power sources explosions whatever uh, I'm gonna leave it alone but yeah when, when whenever uh, whenever Tarka pulls out his and activates his his like uh, uh, force field thing I was like cue the boss music here we go <laughs> I was like waiting for like you know like the the people on the line just ready for like their their uh, their move so they can like you know cast cast a Faraga or something like that or Thundaga um, or or whatever you just hear out of the darkness fight (laughs) finish him (laughs) flawless victory was it yeah it was a flawless victory for Tarka yeah it was pretty flawless (laughs) 
So I I really liked Reno this episode, and I I, can't, I haven't been able to say that the entire time she's been on on Discovery. But man, did I really like her, and especially whenever she started talking about her wife and uh, what happened and how that impacted um, her ability to, I guess, lead and like the fallout that that caused her, like with like all these like skin grafts for like 11 days with someone that like basically just wanted like a mercy killing essentially. It was, it was actually like, you know, I think that the difference between that story and some of the other stories that we've gotten is just better acting. I'm starting to think that because this is, it's a bit more like jerker of a story when you think about it. You lose your wife, then you're trying to save this other person over the course of multiple days and all they pretty much want to do is just die. So that's a lot, but like, you know, we've, I think we've kind of made fun a little bit of people's like personal stories or made light of them a little bit because it felt unnatural. This felt so much more natural, and I can only say it was just better acted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's how it, that's that's what you want to see when you're talking about characters that you don't see every week. You want to have a an anchor point. And I'm sorry, guy, I still can't remember your name who somehow enjoyed pale, uh, parasailing. I just, it wasn't impactful, you know what I mean? That was Reese, right? Was it? I don't, I, I'm Bryce. sorry, the names, they, I Wait. don't know why it just confuses me. The two names confuse me. Wait, the one who liked parasailing was the one in the examples who wanted to go help people get off the... Okay, that was Reese then. That was Reese. No, right? those are that was those were two different stories. See, you're confused too, just like me. <laughs> Wait, that's not the same story. No, <laughs> two different stories. Wow. <laughs> okay. All right. Moral of the story: Reno, Yeah, Reno. Reno looked great, and we don't even get to see her every week. She's she's just a, a pop up character a lot of times. My guess is we'll see her next week though. Maybe she might be gone. <laughs> All right. I'm still I'm still banking on that one sacrifice, and Vance seems to be pretty safe so far. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Season five, episode one, Vance starts is assassinated. Yeah, his office explodes. Which would be a great parallel with another season five of, of another show. Stop, please stop. No, don't, no. That's not. Wait, what? Wasn't that season five of 24 when President Palmer was oh, assassinated? Yes, yes. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, where the previews were like, in the first five minutes, everything will change. I mean, it kind of did. It kind of did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did not um, see that one coming. But yeah, uh, yeah, freaking craziness going on. Um, and Tark or not Tarka, uh, Book is like finally coming to his senses about about what's going on with uh, with Tarka and everything. And not only that, but um, again, we're also get, we we also got like that great character development with with Reno. We get to really learn a lot more about her personally that there's like some seriousness underneath all the 
all the joking, the comic, everything um, type of stuff that's been going on. And yeah, they're and then the other thing, like they are like dragging the heck out of this Cleveland Booker mentor story. Right, where we we get like we get a little bit of a tease of of like what the whole Cleveland Booker thing is. Like at the end of last season, like books like I want to tell um, you about my mentor. And what he didn't tell Michael about it in the entire like six months gap between these seasons. And now here he's telling not. the story again. It's like just give us but the story about the mentor. He died, and I adopted it. Right, and I got like, all the clients. It doesn't. It's not that big of a deal that you have to tease us for a year with it. I think I just needed that amount of time to figure out what do we want to do with it. We 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 promised it. We got to like <laughs> deliver on it now. That's you know? that's probably for a book. Put that in a book, like a novel. Let's call the book, book. Yeah, Cleveland Booker. No, just book. What's okay. the name of the book? Book. Book. <laughs> we'll do the review on it at some point. Yeah. It's mm. like, what's the name of the Packled Planet? Packled Pack Planet. Planet. <laughs> what do you What do you call the red alarm on a on a Packled ship? <laughs> Red alarm. Red alarm. Red alarm. Red alarm. Red alarm. And it's like, it's like not even a recording. Like people just like see the light and they just start saying red alarm. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. I think we're at the Zora of it all, aren't we? Yeah. Thanks, Zora. So this, yeah, this, this has is... got to be the dumbest artificial intelligence supercomputer I've ever seen in my life. And this is bordering on parody right now, how terrible Zora is. Like, this is awful. I'm, this is awful. First of all, Zora didn't notice that anyone snuck onto the ship last week, right? There, we had a whole episode about she was overwhelmed with all of the information that was coming at her. Like... The, the oxygen levels, like the CO2 levels on the ship, the, the, breathing, the breathing of the crew members was one of the things that was overwhelming her. And, but, you know, two extra people on the ship, she doesn't notice different oxygen consumption rates, different CO2 levels, different breathing, okay? And then at the beginning of this episode, they're loading up the dots with the pheromone, and Zora's like, uh, hey, chief science guy, something is wrong with me. He's like, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. No, 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 no. If your super advanced artificial intelligent computer comes to you and says, something is wrong and I can't figure out what it is, you stop whatever the heck you're doing and you go figure that stuff out right now. You don't like, eh, we'll get to that later. Don't worry about it. You do that now as far as I'm that, you that now wait when when now when? you do that now okay. you don't wait till later he's like well we'll get Hugh to talk to you about it later and so hey hey guess what you're not feeling well your your sensors are all wrong you can't figure stuff out let's sit down and play a game and talk now i know there might be people out there that say i'm being insensitive and that talking and playing games can relax people and it can get them through things. But I don't think, like, that's exactly what you should be doing in that moment is, hey, you've got a ticking clock. I know this; these episodes have not done a great job of, like, 
making us as the audience feel that ticking clock. But if you've got a ticking clock before Earth is destroyed, before Vulcan is destroyed, I don't think sitting down and playing a game and talking is the best strategy. I'm just saying. That's the whole problem with an intelligent supercomputer running your entire ship, effectively being your ship, embodying your ship. I don't... Yeah, the, the whole seeing the game thing again felt a little... Str- but there were stutter points in this episode anyway, even that little tiny conversation with Saru about um, you know, the, the Vulcan president as well, President of Navarre. I totally spaced on her name. But anyway... Yeah, there we go. Thank you. Names and me, it's hard. It's tough. It's tough in that brain to remember names. Uh, you know, like those other guys we were talking about earlier. Uh, but it, it is a weird study. We talked about it, I think, last week, too, where you have this ticking clock, this 24 countdown clock, right? And then we have to stop and play a game with our super intelligent supercomputer that's been around for thousands of years or whatever. Let me let me ask y'all a serious question. Would you prefer, as as much as as we like rag on it, um, would y'all prefer if like Zora got her own body, like and she became like a Data 2.0 type of thing, like we we do like a Gollum type of thing, and we or, or download her consciousness into some kind of body, and then we just download at at HQ like a new computer program you want to do something like on Andromeda the avatar of the ship sure but the whole point was that that we the whole point of going to the future is that we couldn't extract the sphere data from the ship we also that was the whole point wasn't it that's why we we had to go to the future but, you know, we also couldn't use the mycelial network to spore jump anymore, either. Touche. <laughs> I mean, I'm there are saying. rules. I mean, we also couldn't, you know, jump in and jump out of the DMA, either. Without a song and dance. Yes, there are rules here, people. Oh, I don't know. I just... And, like, Zora didn't notice that Reno was gone, either, because, like, Tarka left a communicator that was giving off biosigns. So, okay, whatever. But, like, no one noticed that Reno was gone? Here you are in a crisis, in a countdown, right, where we've got to fix these dots up with some, some chemical, hydrocarbons, right? We've got... Our engines are not working, right? Communications are not working. The ship, we're trying to fix the ship, and nobody notices that your chief engineer has gone missing. At one point, Stamets is like, This is all my fault. I should have known something was wrong. I, I went looking for I couldn't find her. And he was like, It's not your fault. No, yes, it is your fault. You can't just excuse everyone's behavior. Like, it. it the fact that no one noticed that that Reno was gone like that's inexcusable you can be all you want ask Zora or computer locate Reno Uh, computer Reno is in main engineering 
Uh, no, she's not. And then you go look for her. You make that a priority. And then no one thought to tell the captain, hey, captain, uh, we lost our chief engineer. No one knows where she is. Zora thinks she's in engineering, but she's totally not. And like we, no one, we, no one told Burnham that the chief engineer of her ship was missing. And uh, and we hid the contraband under the floor, under the floorboard, um, as well as like the thing that we're not supposed to let mom and dad see. We also put that, you know, in that shelf over there behind the bookcase. You know what I'm saying? It's over there. Whoo, under the mattress. It's fine. Oh. Yeah. So this is like ah, Zora is a dumb supercomputer. This is the problem that you face whenever, like, you go down like that that sentience path with, with your ship's computer. And and like I like um, like we talked about almost ad nauseum is like, what's gonna happen like whenever you like want to like fire off phasers or torpedoes? No, man, I don't feel like it. I don't. I mean, no, no. And like, what does what does I mean? What's hierarchy have to do with like wanting or not wanting to do something? When you're a supercomputer, how do you discipline a supercomputer? Well, I'm that's it. I'm gonna remove one of the ones, and uh, from your binary code and see how that makes you feel. Like put you in time. I don't know. That's your court martial. How do you court martial a supercomputer? That's what I wanted. Well, the supercomputer can basically disobey commands. I know we made it a part of the command structure, but there's no reason she has to follow it. What are you gonna do to her? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you gonna? Oh. Uh, yeah, I know. I know that I have to follow your orders, Captain, but I don't want to. So, do something about it. Make me. <laughs> what are you gonna make her do? Mm-hmm. You gonna put her in the brig? You gonna <sighs> demote her in rank? You gonna yeah. court martial her? What are you gonna do? Well, among among all this stuff, and I just want to say this real quickly before we move into uh, the evaluations. I know it's getting. It's getting, we're getting along there with, with our time with the show. Uh, but Endoye is like kind of like the wild card in this week's episode with stuff. Like the whole will she, won't she um, do things with Book, you know, and trying to like keep that plan going or not, not realizing that she's even being played um, through all this stuff to meet Tarka's end. So I just wanted to throw that in just real quick. Um, any other final comments before we move on to rating this and evaluating this? Well, well, David mentioned some of the the pause moments. They're the awkward missteps that this episode did have. Like, yeah, there's some side conversations, like the one where um, Saru and Burnham come to the side and be like, Saru's like, she's giving me the cold shoulder over here. I don't, I don't get it. Like. Yeah, we can have this personal conversation right in the middle of our big, you know, first contact situation. Like, that was weird. Um, uh, then they're about the to go in. Room. They're about to go inside the TARDIS, and Sir's like, I'm going to go synthesize some hydrocarbons. I'm going to make a delivery method. I'm going to do all this. I'm going to prepare. And Burnham's like, You know what? Don't do that. Let somebody else do that. We have to go have a personal chat where I let out my feelings and emotions and we yell at each other. Like, really? That was that was odd. Okay. 
I don't know. I felt like I had to mention those scenes because David mentioned the little weird missteps. Yeah, that like the 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 ready room with with the the acting warm up exercise. Like I just the I ca- wasn't the cathartic yell. Yeah, I wasn't. No, that was the only thing. That was like the thing that just took me out of the episode. Like I just felt like we pulled the e brake on that when we had like some really good momentum going with the episode personally. So. That being said, let's move on to the Delta. So as we move into this evaluation piece, the Delta, we look at the different divisions of Starfleet service and how well they are represented. So, uh, of course, that's command, science, and engineering divisions. So with that, David, what do you got, man? Um, so I, I, I think that I think that you probably you probably make the argument for like a full kind of a full range delta for this you know in in terms of command I I know we've all kind of been a little critical of of command but I think in in Burnham's case she is more susceptible to um, other ideas I I think uh, I don't know perhaps Perhaps a little miff by the fact that it had to be Saru to tell her that, maybe. But then that leads into Saru's understanding of the situation as well. Um, and then I think even, you know, really kind of stepping up and saying, you know, when we're going into the TARDIS, it's like, yeah, no, I, I got to do this. I can't just stay behind, you know. I don't know what I'm going to do when I get there. Hey, xenobiologist, hey, you know, whatever, communication person, hey, let, 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 you, you guys, come on, too. Come come on with me. You know, maybe do some of the work. Um, but, no, I mean, I, I can appreciate stepping into a situation that's completely unknown that you might not come back from. It takes a lot of courage. And that's what you should do as a, you know, Federation president, I would, I would think. Um, but, yeah, engineering, I mean... It, Reno's little trick with her little communicator was was cool. Uh, I think you know science and engineering can kind of blend into some of this uh, you know language, the method in which we're talking to the ten C, figuring out how to speak to them. So you know, personally, I think I think I would delta across the board. Okay, I I agree too. I think I think there's a good full spread with with all of it. I mean. Even like with engineering, like we're getting some, some pretty decent stuff going on, and like even like the the building of like a contraption to like have a portable ten C communicator of sorts, basically. Um, and I don't understand math apart from the four point four plus five equals nine thing. You know, uh, that was cool. And I think there was like a bell curve in there somewhere, which I, I kind of understood, um, like with distributions and stuff. Like that's that's fine. Um, I think the fact that I'm even saying math terms is just making Eric happy, um, which that's that's a good thing. But um, the fact that we had like you're in charge, okay? Like let's let's get around the the proverbial table and let's talk about this, like sharing ideas, getting buy-in. That was good. Science hydrocarbons figuring out way to figuring out all these things so yeah like i am 100 percent on board with with every single division shining 
this week on Discovery. Eric, your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, me too. Like, science times two, right? I mean, this show has been Admiral la- level. lacking in the science, right, for a lot of it. And so, like, here we are doing science, and I'm happy about that, right? We're getting the whole team together. We're doing science. And you can say, yeah, science and engineering kind of blend together, right? People are building their portable communication device, Reno doing her thing. There's there's good science, good engineering, like really high quality. And and I would say that I, I would I think there's command here. Right? Michael Burnham now is like inviting all of the rest of her crew to share their ideas and everybody is working together to to come up with this idea. I think that's real growth from her. The one other thing that I want to mention is early on in the episode they're in the they're in the ready room, and um, and Doye says something like, "You know, you're trying all of these things, um, and I respect that. But you've hit the wall, and uh, you know maybe it's time to try something new, right?" She mentions about like you hit a wall, you you don't know what to do anymore, and Burnham. Res- this is like great insight from Burnham, and I. I I don't know if everyone caught this, but this like really struck me when she said this. She was like, I used to think there was no wall, but now that I've become a captain, I've learned that there is. And I don't think we're there yet, but I appreciate the fact that you've said that to me because I've been learning about that wall. And I think this is a great bit of growth from Michael Burnham. I don't know if either of you actually caught that moment, but it really stood out to me. She's like being very introspective. Like, and that to me is command. That's growth. And she's like being a captain has made her grow as a person and as an officer where she's like, yeah, I used to think there was no wall. Like I, I could never hit that wall. There was always something I could do. I could always figure it out for myself. But now... Mm-hmm. There's not. And I thought that was a great moment. And I'm full spread on all of the deltas here. Very good. Very good. All right, let's let's roll into uh, our, our rating. So a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being a dumpster fire, 10 being absolutely amazing. Let's go in reverse order. Let's just go ahead and start with Eric. Okay. So this episode is way better than any of the episodes that have come before it, like in the past three or four weeks five six whatever episodes in a row it's way better than all of those like we made the joke they put all their effort into writing this episode and like had no effort into the other ones because they like had to put it all here but this is like this is great science fiction where you're communicating and trying to communicate with a truly alien species and this this is like this is this is good stuff and we're using math. Like, I love math. Let's do math, right? <laughs> like, Burnham's like, I love math. Yeah, here we are doing math, right? This is, I just, it makes my nerd heart happy when we use math to solve problems. It really, really does. Um, and this, this, this feels like a genuine Star Trek episode where we are learning how to communicate with a truly alien species. Though, the mission, the opening monologue of Star Trek is to seek out new life and new civilizations. And Discovery has done 
none of that in basically four seasons. But now we're doing it. And yeah, it took us forever to get here. Like, it took us forever to get to this moment. And say what you will about how similar it is to the movie Arrival, which it is. It's still very interesting to me. It's still very Star Trek to me. And I enjoyed the mess out of it. I was super happy. Yes, there are other parts of this episode that are not good. Like, the Zora of it all is not good. And I am like... I don't, I don't even know. I mean, like, the Zora of it all is not good. Let's just say that. Um, but, like... I'm happy watching this episode. This is by far the best episode of this season. Like, I don't even think it's close. This is by far the best episode. And I'm looking at IMDb, and it still has, like, a 5.6 rating on IMDb. I just don't understand what those people want. Like, I, I don't know. I used to think I understood what those people want, but I don't get it anymore. Because there's no justification <laughs> for this having a 5.6. This is... Not the best episode of Star Trek Discovery, but it's easily a top three or four episode that this show has had over the course of its four seasons, basically. Um, I'm excited to see where we're going next because I was really not thinking that this season was going to to reach any sort of interesting conclusion. I thought we were going to get so much information. I'm not going to be too high because I think there are some things about this episode that need fixing. But this is like an 8.6. Okay. Dave, you want to go next? Sure. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I, I think it definitely felt a lot more like a Star Trek episode. You know, look, I'm cool with the feelings. I'm I'm fine with I'm fine with a lot of stuff. Um, but a lot of the fundamental lack of engineering and even to an extent science and sometimes even personal personal growth and we've seen a lot of regression throughout the season where we thought we fixed a problem but it kind of roars back which is fairly realistic when you think about it but at the same token I I think that I think that it was really nice to see everybody come in and not necessarily just be a a place setting like you actually had a, a good torrent of ideas when we sat around in our little hollow circle um it it went a little fast for me if i'm being honest but still it was nice it was nice to see that sort of input and and intelligent input like well thought out input you know when we talked about you know the music and we're using terms that i've never heard of and complicated math and all of this stuff that makes eric super happy I think that that is that that's kind of part of, of pushing the envelope that that Star Trek has always done in the sci-fi sort of genre. Now, while I said earlier, perhaps we're not quite as original as what it might have be what what it might have been in maybe the beginning 
it still was overall a really really intriguing episode it kind of made me want to watch which is not something i can really say for a lot of um a lot of this season i think we've all constantly talked about you know doing other things not necessarily being focused on what's going on but you know i i really i really enjoyed getting away from the guns blazing sort of attitude even though i mean you know tarkey's he's he's guns blazing but Everybody else is really trying to come up with a diplomatic, a scientific, an engineering, a, you know, some sort of solution out of a problem instead of just going in there and cracking skulls, which was so much a, se- a part of, you know, season three, um, which didn't really set well with me. Now, Eric, one quick caveat, the the, the rating on IMDb did go up to a 5.9 just now, so... Oh, okay. I haven't looked it's at moved. it since the, uh, since it's we started moved. recording. It's moving on up slightly, um, but yeah, I I think uh, I think Reno was was really it was really nice to see just really anything from her. Um, you know, I've always liked Detmer, so it was great to great to bring her in, Nielsen to bring her in as well, just just to have have a little bit. We're not really given too much, but we're given a little bit, but. I mean the story the story was intriguing the the characters had their moments and you know we're kind of setting up for potentially a bigger problem in our next episode because effectively we've we've you know somewhat inadvertently double double crossed our hosts here so kind of a classic scenario where oh it's not us it was them how do we convey that when we've just learned some simple mathematical language you know or at least the our, our space worms think it's simple mathematical language um so as far as a rating uh who eric you said 8.6 yeah okay i don't know if i can i don't know if i can do that i don't know if i can i can be that close to you this time eric we were we were we were a little closer last week so um and the week before and the week before that, the yeah, week before that. I, I got, I got it. We can, we got it. Got to mix it up, and then Chase, you have to, you have to go nuts again. Um, I, I will. <laughs> I, I, I'm actually, I, I'm thinking. Uh, dang, I, I'm, uh, ugh, I can't, I can't even say it. It's like it's really hard. It's really hard to get out of there. I normally have more of a solid score. I'm gonna just say an eight point four. Okay. So it is kind of close to. Okay. I'm going to be the outlier once again. Go with a three. I'm kidding. <laughs> no. Okay. I I really loved this episode. Like, I, I enjoyed the mess out of this episode. And full disclosure, gang, like, I think this is, like, the first time on Star Trek Discovery in, like, recent memory that I've actually wanted to watch watch it again. Like, I've... And, like, this is easily top three. Easily top three Discovery episodes for me. And, um... I... Despite some, like, questionable, like, maybe misstep things here and there, um... Like, some of the Zora stuff, like Eric was pointing out, was just straight-up cheesy. But 
I just really liked the pacing of it. I just really liked the team atmosphere. I really like seeing some depth and some actual three-dimensional stuff with Reno. Like, I wasn't annoyed by Reno for the first time watching the show. That's huge for me. Like, I really enjoyed her character and, like, just seeing her actually being an engineer. Like, even if she's a freaking hostage, like, doing techno stuff. That was cool. Like, got some random gizmos, like, that I stashed on my person. And I'm going to somehow get some licorice and I'm going to use the glycerol and the whatever to do the thing, to send a message, to get out of here. That was cool. Um, and, like, just seeing, like... A Star Trek show actually do Star Trek. Like I, I sent messages to the guys um, earlier and earlier, and I was like, I'm about 20 minutes in, and so far enjoyed one character above all the rest, and that was Reno, by the way. And then um, a, a little bit later, I was like, this is shaping up to be pretty good. And then um, after I finished the episode, I was like, Discovery did it. They finally did Star Trek, and like it was just like so refreshing it was like a hot summer day and I got me a nice cup of ice water that I got to drink you know on, on a hot summer day like this was just so refreshing to me so I feel like things are, are finally right with the world again with this rating that I'm about to give where the last several weeks what the last one two three four weeks in a row I have been the one that has given the lowest rating. I'm about to be the one that gives the highest rating for this show. Um, the only thing that really took me out, and I said it earlier, it was, they pulled the freaking e-brake and it just like ruined it for me for, for a moment, was doing the little yelling thing in the ready room. Like that was like I was just cringing. Like I can't I can't watch the screen right now. Like that was just, it was just too cringy for me. And look, I've done acting. Like I know what that stuff's about. Like even being an actor back in the day like it was just cringy for me to watch like if they, if they if they could have just like use a little like snip tool on freaking premiere pro and just like get rid of that and just put everything else like have been fantastic so with all my rambling i'm not going to give it a 10 i'm not going that crazy um, I can't justify giving it even a 9.5, but I, I do feel very comfortable giving it a 9. I really enjoyed this episode. And I think, if memory serves, this is the highest rated episode that I've given Discovery in all of Discovery, as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, well done. Well done. So, um, let's just do like a quick little math thing real quick. So that, that leaves our, um, our overall average for the three of us at an 8.6, uh, 8.7, if we want to round up for this episode. So we, we have diverted from what IMDb, the IMDb gods have said about how this show is to be rated. So Yeah, I don't, I don't understand what those people want. They just want the show. Some people just want to see, watch the world burn. They just want the show canceled, so they're going to give terrible ratings. Yeah, they just they just watch the show to make sure they still hate it, basically. So that's correct. Yeah. Just uh, just real quick, and we'll 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 get right into it. Let's go to the Twitter poll real quick. So, polled the people of Twitter. Who do you think Species Ten C will be most like when we meet them? 
the options were the Pakleds, the Ferengi, Klingons, or Vulcans. Say those again. Pakleds, Ferengi, Klingons, or Vulcans. Pakleds. Who the Tensi will be most like when we meet them. Probably Vulcans because they'll be um, like <clears throat> logical. I think I don't think they're gonna be greedy. I don't think they're gonna be warriors because they've already expressed like empathy and sadness. Mm-hmm. So I'll go with Vulcans. Okay. I don't know if you voted in this or not, David. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I I said Vulcans, but, you know, the more I think about it, I don't know. These creatures do spray a lot of emotional juices everywhere, so I'm not quite sure if that symbolizes Vulcan very much. <laughs> All right, so going to the results, uh, in last place was the Ferengi with 8.3%. Um, in in uh, third place, we had the Klingons with 16.7% of the vote. And then coming in um, in second place, the runner-up, of course, were, were the Packleds with a third of the vote, 33.3%. See, I can math when I need to. And, uh, of course, the Vulcans winning it out with 41.7%. There was this interesting comment. That's actually comment. pretty I close, do... though, 41 to 33. Yeah. I do want to highlight this this comment real quick, which I think is, I thought it was a really good comment that um, um, at Corey Owens left for us um, regarding this poll. And they and he said, um, um, interesting question. I voted PAC-led just from the standpoint that we often struggle to understand their culture. We can relate to the other three. PAC-led are strange. I imagine 10C will be much stranger still. So I think that's I think that's a pretty decent comment, pretty decent argument for yeah. for why someone would vote PAC-leds. I mean, which I think also justifies like why it was a third of the vote for crying out loud too. So... Anyway, y'all, this has been a really long episode. Good grief. Might have to split this up in two parts. I don't know. No, we've done longer. We've done longer recaps. <laughs> well, everyone, guys, thank you so much for, for this. Um, uh, we'll be back to talk Picard here pretty quick. Uh, so if you haven't uh, watched that yet, just um, go ahead and watch that in preparation for our discussion on the, the, the upcoming episode, the second episode of Star Trek Picard. Um, other than that, y'all know the drill. Y'all know how to get a hold of us in terms of where we are. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at TRTV Pod. Uh, you can, um, if you want to send us a message or something, uh, you can do it either on TRTVPod.com, learn more about us there, leave a comment, um, do, um, or you can send us a hailing frequency at TRTVPod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute limit um, before something happens I, I got nothing this time uh finally if you want to mail us something um like some well don't crop dust us please but you know if you want to if you want to it's weird but you can box it and send it to the lone star station p.o box 2455 azel texas 76098 everyone thank you so much for journeying with us and as always remember to boldly go and make it so